Hi, this is Mike Edelhart, and I'm here with another edition of Inception, our podcast and kind of homegrown video cast about uh, beginnings, beginnings of new companies, new ideas in science and consumer investing, uh, sometimes a little look at the future. And today it's actually a little bit of a look at the past in a way because of what the product does. But I'm here with Raina Kumra from Spicewell. Uh, great to see you. Great to be here. Thanks for having me, Mike. Oh, my pleasure. So why don't we start out, you know, given the reference I just made to you explaining what Spicewell is and and and, and what its uh, uh, derivations are. Yeah, I'd love to. So Spicewell is the world's first superfood seasoning. It has 10% of your daily vitamins in a half teaspoon of 21 vitamins and minerals sourced from 12 organic vegetables. So you are getting extra food, extra nutrients from food with your food. So now you can season your meals, just salt and pepper it performs just like salt and pepper and get those extra vitamins. And, uh, and I got, this isn't always the case. You know, we have all different kinds of portfolio companies and all different kinds of products. But in this case, I actually use it every day. I think it's great. And it does just what you say. It's uh, the pepper is peppery. The salt is salty. And yet it's a lot healthier than either. And it use it exactly the same baking, roasting, everything. Yeah. It's, uh, it's terrific. So how'd you come up with this? Where the idea of this approach uh, come from? So I was I was investing at that time, sort of mid-pandemic. I had just wound up um, a, a small fund. We fully deployed and I was thinking about what I was going to do next, looking at tech ideas. Nothing was really lighting me up. And then we had, a, my husband had a knee surgery. He had a complete ACL replacement, which was all planned and scheduled. So, you know, I was sort of ready to get him back on his feet when he came home and uh, brought him home from the hospital. And then about six hours later, my five-year-old daughter broke her collarbone. She was in a, a bike accident. And so was my son. Luckily, he didn't break anything. But we had just two patients in the house that were unable to get out of bed and needed me to do everything, all the cooking, all the food, all the snacks, all the hydration, all the bathroom assists. It was it was a lot. So I dropped everything else I was doing and I just fully focused 100% on their food. And this was COVID. So this was the pandemic and we were, you know, all kind of semi homesteading at that time. And so I'd go out to my garden and I would get broccoli and kale. And you can't really feed that to a five year old, let alone a 40 something year old. So I dehydrated it. I put it in smoothies. I put it in soups. I just wanted to make sure they were getting these nutrients. And I knew that the more nutrients they had, the faster they would heal. And the closer those nutrients were to the earth, the better for our body to absorb them and the more effective they were. So that's sort of the way Spicewell started. I still didn't have a product yet. I just was working on getting them back to health. They were back on their feet healed. Their doctors were really impressed about 50% faster than they were expecting. So about three to four weeks faster than they were originally told they would be. And from that point on, I came back to my kitchen and thought about the problem at scale that we have in this country with food, specifically around a lack of nutrients because you know our soil sucks. And since the soil that food is grown in, that's also got less nutrients. I think about 25 years ago, we had more magnesium in the soil 
<clears throat> and then the broccoli that we would grow would then have magnesium in it and then we would eat it and then we would get the magnesium. But right now everyone's magnesium deficient because our vegetables, no matter how healthy we eat, still don't have enough of the nutrients in it that we need. And I thought about that and I started researching because again, it was pandemic time. So I could really take my time and go down all the rabbit holes. And I learned that 94% of Americans have a nutrient deficiency of some kind. And then that is the gateway to chronic illness. And so we spend $3.7 trillion on chronic illness and managing it and taking care of it in this country, but we don't spend hardly any money at all in preventing it. So I just... I think once you see that and you see that cycle and that handshake from big food to big pharma that happens every day in this country, you can't unsee it. And I just had to do something about it. And that's how Spicewell was born. I thought about a million different places I could put these nutrients. And I just looked down at my table one day. I looked at the iodized salt and I was like, salt is the perfect vehicle to hide any nutrients. We've already done this experiment for a hundred years with iodine. Why not add iodine plus 20 other vitamins and minerals? And I tested it and, you know, had an initial consumer base of 200 people to test with and get surveys from and, and they loved it. And it just worked. And six months later, I had Mark Hyman on my board. I had Ann Veneman on my board and I had a product in the market. So it happened very fast and very organically. So how did you come to this? Because you're not a professional food <laughs> person or nutritionist. Or, and, and we've known each other. This is sort of unusual. We knew each other a long time, actually, just as yeah. before I had <laughs> any idea you were doing anything like this. I saw it somewhere. That Ryan is doing something new. Other, I'd say many, many iterations of lives before, right? Yeah. <laughs> When you so were doing you might entirely- want to go into that a little bit, because if you look at where you come from, this is not the obvious next thing. I know. I know. I never thought I would be doing anything in food. I was always a tech person. That was my identity. And that's how you knew me. I was a person in tech or media. And uh, yeah, it was a complete left turn. And it actually took a lot of me getting out of my own way to say that, you know what? I can innovate across a lot of different categories and I need to not feel like my identity is only tech because that was holding me back from taking this seriously. Got it. And so since you made the shift, comfortable, happier, feels like <laughs> a new skin or does it still feel a little like, you know, you're learning new dance steps and you still have to count oh, the no, steps no, a little no. bit? I mean- I'm learning all about retail, wholesale, I'm learning all about this whole world of CPG, which is, which is, you know, I only really knew from the branding side and I only really knew from the investing side. So I had some exposure to it, but I think if I had not done this, I would have never known that I love formulation more than anything. And, you know, I never gave myself the chance and it is putting recipes together, trying new things, trying new formulations, um, experimenting. I love it. And I'm really good at it. And I would have never known <laughs> had I not tried. <laughs> and did you do this on your own? Was this you counseling you or your husband or your friends? I mean, do you have a little sort of kitchen cabinet that said, Rana, you're ready for this. You should do this. Don't talk yourself out of it. How did you sort of make that leap? 
Well, I, I always say that this would have never happened if it wasn't for the pandemic, because I probably would have never had the time to really go deep. So I, um, I just fell in love with the the problem, right? And I fell in love with the problem and I hugged that problem and I found a million ways to solve that problem. That problem was really, how do we sneak more nutrition into our diets? And I looked, um, I took a course at Cornell. Um, I got a certificate in plant medicine. That was sort of part of my deep dive. And then I just started talking to this Ayurvedic doctor who I, I was working with on healing my daughter and my husband, and, you know, I was giving them lots of turmeric, lots of things, keeping their inflammation way down, which speeds up healing. And, um, and when it came time to sort of put the pepper and the salt together in their final format, I worked with this Ayurvedic doctor who helped me keep it in Ayurvedic framework. So the salt is cooler, this pepper is warmer, and that pepper turmeric blend that we have that is it has been used for 5,000 years in India as a, as a medicinal. Um, so just having all of that history and that heritage to stand on gave me a lot of confidence yeah. because it was something I grew up with, but I never paid attention to. And that's the uh, aspect of looking backward. I was talking about at the very beginning that this is yeah. the birth of an old idea, if you want to call it. Exactly. Exactly. And then with salt, it's so interesting because a hundred years ago, literally a hundred years ago, we added iodine because of a study that happened in Akron to prevent goiter, right? And it worked. And then it was everywhere. It was everywhere where goiter was and everyone had iodized salt and it was easy to conceal. And then that was it. And then no one ever did anything else with it that was interesting for a hundred years. And it was just so exciting to take and dust off um, that aisle a little bit and put something new in there. So you've got super healthy salt. You've got super healthy pepper. How are you getting it to folks? How are they finding out about it? How is your go-to-market going? What are the keys you feel for moving this forward as a product and as a business? Uh, okay, so we started in uh, just D2C, then we went to Amazon, and then we got into our first retailer in about 30 doors of a natural grocer here in Southern California, and then we got into Erewhon, and then from Erewhon, we got to the Fresh Market, which put us into 161 stores. So we're in Gelson's, Erewhon, the Fresh Market in New York City, we're um, at the Goods Mart in both locations, and um, and it just continues. And then, you know, we we got sort of a, a really big thumbs up yesterday for uh, the beginning of our approval with a huge online retailer. Our Amazon growth continues at about 200 percent month over month and um, and some months, 350 percent just depends on the month. And and it, it's been really incredible to watch this get placed and watch buyers from grocery stores see what we're doing and come to us instead of us just pitching them because people are looking for this and they they know that people are people are interested in clean products they're interested in food as medicine and so we wanted to be in those grocery store shelves before the trend kind of played itself out right and then and I, I say trend but I really mean movement I I don't think Americans are going to ever go back to eating less good once they start eating better so uh, well, one of the reasons we invested is, uh, and again, this was an album because I knew you, I actually took myself out of the yes. investment evaluation 
process and let other people here get to know you and independently get all impressed with you and stuff. But it's that basically you hardly had a company at all, but you were making a product and people were buying it as much yeah. as you could make and you were hardly having to market. And when we see that sign up front that here's something people actually want, uh, it's a very important indicator to us. So, so many companies struggle to find product market fit, to convince people to do something. Yes. And it appeared to us, and even since we invested, continues to, that you don't have to do that. People hear about it and go, that's a great idea. I'll do that. And yes, there's, a, there's an instant light bulb. And I, I think those obvious ideas that often get overlooked are actually some of the best companies. And, you know, just the thing that everyone needs and didn't know that they needed until they hear about it. <laughs> So do you worry at all that, that salt is salt and and all these uh, turmeric and other things you're putting in are what they are, that some huge conglomerate will go, right? Uh, thank you for this good idea. We now intend to steal it from you and, uh, you know, go at you tooth and claw and make your life miserable or, uh, you know, just try and make this a war of attrition or something. Is that... Mm -hmm. uh, concern when you get up every morning? Uh, not when I get up every morning. And I think what is our moat is really the, the cultural heritage connection and as well as the premium ingredients, which any public company or even private companies that have products out in the market, their cogs are really set. They cannot do a lot with changing ingredients and unless they're going to launch a whole new product and Frankly, sometimes they're just not that good at that, um, especially from a branding and storytelling perspective. So we're just constantly building those moats, building our community um, and making sure that the product that we put out is something that they would be interested in. But, to you know, purchase us in whole as a company versus steal our ideas. Yeah, got it. So salt and pepper are the products of the company or salt and pepper are the first products of the company? Those are our hero products. Those are our first products. And um, last summer, we launched a sea salt from a regenerative trust, a B Corp certified co-op that we work with in Mexico that is women run and it is amazing. Um, and so we work with them directly to source sea salt. And we actually just tested it, tested the sea salt um, across the three leading brands. And we have our sea salt lower in microplastics and higher in minerals than all three of them. So we're doing something right. And uh, we also have some seasonings coming and a few other line extensions, a few exciting things that you, you'll 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 get to taste soon as our um, investors. Um, but uh, but we're we're innovating in a way that is healthy and isn't going to you know tap us out because every time you launch a new product, it does cost a lot of money. And so we're just being really careful and cognizant of what's working and, you know, what do we need to support as well as where else do we need to grab audience? All right. So what next? So what are the plans? So you got the product out, you're selling, uh, what do you expect for growth? What do you expect in terms of strategy? You're going to drive to profitability. I think you were, you were nominally profitable, like right from the get go, but you're going to try and keep that or, uh, you know, sacrifice profitability for growth a little bit uh, uh, in this market. What do you think comes next? 
Yeah, well, you know, we've had two years in, in as a business, as live a product in the market, and we're testing every channel to see and really looking for where is that ROI and then doubling down on that. And, you know, a lot of a lot of models are really great. A lot of models aren't. I'll say retail is is not my favorite um, in terms of the financial outcome, but it is when you look at it as marketing, which the best place to offer people a new salt and pepper is when they're looking for a salt and pepper to right. buy in the grocery store. It's not something that people are searching for online. This isn't like a, you know, this isn't a beauty product necessarily, right? right? And so that's sort of where we're looking at maybe a 70% push into retail. We want to go to from 250 doors to 2000, which we do think is achievable this year. And then we want to look at um, continuing our online expansion because all of those are, are pretty healthy uh, revenue. And we want to have in the end of the day, like a nice, uh, strong EBITDA. Music to my ears. Now you've gotten some... <laughs> You're down in LA and you've gotten some kind of well-known folks that are interested in the product and some that are involved with the company. And I'm not quite sure what's public and what's not, but this <laughs> sure seems like the kind of thing that could yield to influencer marketing because you know a lot of athletes, performers, and other folks do care about their bodies and therefore care about this kind of thing. And therefore, in a very natural way, might say, this is great and I use it. Uh, so yeah. how is that going to play out for the company? Well, actually, we are right now recruiting athletes, especially for some of the new product. And we really want to work with with more athletes. We're we're looking at all kinds of affiliates. Uh, we're looking at creators. We're doing, you know, continuing our testing and seeing who's who's delivering on sales. Um, but I think one thing that has been really lovely about being in your portfolio and Joyance's portfolio is that it is specifically about food as medicine. And so we're really doubling down on people who understand that and think that that's our low hanging fruit from an audience customer perspective, but it's also our low hanging fruit from a large partnership level. So looking at talking to uh, insurers, um, there's a, there's a whole new movement at the white house around food as medicine and, you know, right. kind of, and with the Rockefeller Foundation, really trying to make sure that we're placed in that conversation. I also sit on the board of an incredible nonprofit, well, three incredible nonprofits, but this one is called Eat Real, and they are focused on making all school meals regenerative, local, and organic. And this is something that's like a very close to my heart, but also a, a an incredibly important customer for anyone who cares about the health of this nation, right? right? So we're looking at all kinds of things for from a growth perspective, both I would say in the box, what you would expect for a CPG company and completely out of the box as well. Got it. So uh, you had a raise with us and some other helpful folks in it. Plans for a, a raise? Are you gonna try and do it uh, you know, the old fashioned way, grow the company out of the market, grow the company out of cash flow. Uh, yeah. What are your plans? Well, we are definitely reinvesting every everything that comes into the cash flow. And the the round is, uh, it continues to just be the last little bit, but we do have some good celebrities in there. Um, and then we have celebrity fans like Mindy Kaling, who content, you know, has posted about us a few times. And then one of our advisors is Purna Jagannathan, and she just, 
made a mention of us in Bazaar, Harper's Bazaar, which we never thought we would be in a beauty magazine because we're part of her beauty ritual in the morning when she takes a little bit of sea salt and, and water for hydration. So uh, I think there's a ton of directions that we can push into um, and take advantage of, but yeah, we overall really just need to just continue building awareness. And then and then the funding will come from that. We'll probably do some crowdfunding um, with our customer base. We have a lot of loyal fans. We'll do, you know, we want to give them an opportunity to be part of the company as well. But probably we'll do this raise and then, you know, we'll finish this raise off and then we will probably open another note because CPG, you're constantly having to raise, right? This isn't the sort of business model that allows you to sit back and relax. No. Uh, is there a business model that allows you? If so, I haven't seen it. Um, I wish there were. Uh, maybe I think they're called the pyramid thing. schemes, but no, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Let's not go there. Uh, so, given the age and origins of some of the concepts here, do you see this as a U.S. opportunity? U.S. opportunity now, worldwide opportunity. Uh, uh, how do you? Yeah, see definitely, definitely. I, I mean, worldwide, I'd love, but. The American market, if we don't get this right, we should not be going anywhere. And it's just too large of an opportunity to even spend 10 minutes thinking about uh, working on Australia. I mean, we are in a few um, international retailers. We're in um, some stores in Australia. We're in a few stores in the UK. Uh, and potentially we'll look at Amazon as the vehicle to take us international since that's you know an easy converter. Um, that doesn't need a ton of marketing support and just some ads to run. But I, I think it's just for a startup to try to go international, it's it's not smart, unless it's a huge market and there's an exact right fit. Right. I think it's a matter of timing and the nature of, of, timing. The, yeah. the, nature yeah. of the relationship. If, if you time it right and you do it right, it can suddenly vault the company forward. Yeah, it, we'd be looking for partners who could, yeah. who could help us maximize that probably. You get too far over your skis and then nothing good <laughs> happens. Suddenly you're tumbling down the hill and all out of control and that's no fun at all. No, 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 no. <laughs> so uh, we got folks listening to us. They're all eager to try this out. So best thing to do is go to the Spicewell uh, website. That's right. So Spicewell.com. Uh, you can also find us on Amazon and you can uh, also find us in the fresh market. And that's all the way from Chicago down to Florida. Uh, and then you can also find us in the uh, West Coast, in Gelson's, in Erwan, in Rainbow Co-op, in San Francisco, Perfect. and um, a few other select retailers. Sounds good. Well, I'm a, a happy investor and a happy customer. I don't get to say that, so that, that often both at once. It's great. Everybody should try it. It does just what you say. Um, and uh, so great idea. Well executed. Uh, uh, can't wait to see what happens next. Thank you. And thank you for your support. <laughs> happy to be here.